0: Welcome to the Mastering Fulfillment Podcast, where we focus on bridging success with fulfillment in your personal, business, and spiritual life. And now your hosts, Scott Barry and Joshua Wenner.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Mastering Fulfillment Podcast. My name is Scott Berry, and I'm with my co-host, Joshua Wenner. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's a nice sunny day in, in SoCal where I'm at. We are just really excited. We've got just a really special guest on the line today, and his name is also Josh. It's Josh Abramson. Josh, how are you doing today?
0: I am wonderful. I love you both, and we'll have Joshua be Josh today, and Josh will be Joshua. So, I'll pick Joshua, and Joshua can
1: take Josh. How does that sound? Love that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. We've got Josh and Joshua. Fantastic. Um, so Joshua and I met a few years ago through a business organization that I've mentioned a few times on the podcast called Entrepreneurs Association. It's uh, an organization that brings together entrepreneurs to bring them into think tanks so they can support each other in not just business realms, but also life realms as well. But it's primarily focused on scaling your business and how to do it more efficiently and and really move it to the the next level. And Joshua was one of those individuals that we just we just gravitated toward and for reasons that you'll find out in a minute, um, he's got this really beautiful interesting philosophy on life. so we thought he would just be an amazing guest to bring on the podcast, share his experience, share his insights, share his love, and share his heart with our audience. And so I'd like to say hello, introduce Joshua, and get to know him a little bit more, and then we'll just kind of dive in on this whole beautiful topic of uh, fulfillment. Joshua, hello, and uh, so great to have you on the podcast. Well, it's an
0: honor to be here in conversation with the two of you, and I'm just so grateful. And yes, Scott, uh, in our time in Entrepreneurs' Organization, that what really drew me towards you, and uh, I think a good size subset of that group is that we're uh, heart-based uh, conscious capitalists. So we're in this business setting where we're all there to be able to exponentially scale our businesses and get the tools that we need to succeed. But there was a certain number of us, and who knows, maybe it's just a, a Northern California thing. But we're also looking at the the bigger picture and where we fit uh, in the planet and what our response is and what kind of cultures and companies that we support, uh, both for our own businesses and for others, too. So um, I feel that that's really ingrained in all three of us, and uh, it's at the, you know, at the heart of us and the heart of uh, what we do and what the vision that we're creating in the world.
1: I think you summed it up so beautifully. And I'll only speak for me, but, uh, the, the, the connection I had with you. And I think that was kind of the, the unspoken or even the spoken vision that I saw with the correlations between my business and your business and, and a lot of our other ones. And, and at least for me, it's not always necessarily the business itself, but it's, we were, we were seeing entrepreneurs that, had a vision and even if it wasn't 100% with their business you know we had some dog walkers and some other things but they were doing other things in their life to where they were always bringing the intentionality with building their business so that they could do bigger things in the world they could expand more of their heart more of their passions and to help humanity in a bigger way even if that even if that means they're you know volunteering more or spending more time with their family or or whatever it happens to be but there was just kind of this unspoken rule that's like, whatever we're doing in the world, we're trying to make it a better place. We're trying to make it a more connective place. And and I really felt that from you and, you know, what you were doing, you know, with your life. Well, thank you. Right back at you, brother. So why don't you give us the Reader's Digest version of a little bit about some history of yourself and maybe kind of bring us up to speed? You got it. So I support
0: People and companies in defining their DNA, and then to come up with strategies to be able to express who they are and their core beliefs and their values in every touch. I work uh, have worked in really every field, mostly starting in creativity, but the the businesses that I work with uh, are services business and everything from uh, individual proprietors to uh, to large-scale enterprises, and I'm in about my fifth career right now. And for the last almost four years, I've been global brand guardian at the largest cybersecurity company in the world. And um, so that's that would be my uh, um, you know my my Clark Kent world, and then uh, my superhero world is that I'm the Johnny Appleseed of I love you. And I have a movement called I Love You World where all 7.5 billion of us start every conversation with I love you and go from there. And it's not from a touchy, feely, warm, and fuzzy perspective, but in terms of, well, uh, I think that our very uh, survival as a species uh, hangs in the balance. And uh, if that we're at this key inflection point, for humanity, where if we don't make a a profound pivot, not in 10 years' time, not in 20 years' time, not in five years' time, but now, that we're toast. And as the parent of a seven-year-old, I don't want my child's generation to have their interstellar future. And the thing about interstellar is that it's a Hollywood movie, so it's got a happy ending, of course course there's some parallel earth-like planet and some through some wormhole where we can keep humanity alive but i don't think we're necessarily that's the best case scenario of you know, elon musk wanting to cut bait on earth and populize uh populate mars maybe we'll get there but i think that there's a lot of work to be done right now and the fact is is that it can be simple as just starting every conversation with i love you and going from there and i know that Everybody who's hearing that right now is probably in, in, in an argument with that, but we can get into how it can really be that simple and why.
2: Um, I'm hmm. I'm curious how, uh, why I love you and where that, where that came from. I understand <laughs> the general concept, but I'm just curious, you know, how your journey led you to that, uh, um, how the origin of it.
0: Yes, Josh, my, my first careers were all uh, in the entertainment business. I was, uh, an actor, a musician, a writer, a content producer, and from my various early age, I had a sense of drive and destiny. Uh, I'm sure most, if not all of us do, but I knew that I wanted to have a positive impact on humanity at scale. And originally I thought that, well, if X then Y. If I become famous enough, if I have a big enough platform, then I can have uh, this positive effect at scale. And um, I had a fairly good run uh, in entertainment for about 20 years, but never did have that breakthrough level of success, never got that soapbox to stand stand on and uh, dispense wisdom onto the world and how peace and love will change it all. And then about nine years ago, I was in a development course. And uh, the premise of the course was that we were creating projects over the course of three or four months uh, with community where you really needed the support of a community and you couldn't just strong suit your way. Uh, and use all your strengths to generating things yourselves. You really needed to get a whole bunch of people on board. And I had an amazing project that uh, I was all fired up about. And we were coming into the the second workday at the one-month point, and I hadn't done any of the work. So everything supporting my plan to make this vision happen in the world, I didn't do any of the work. And I said, hmm, there's something interesting to look at there. So I do all of my deep thinking in the shower and I gave myself the prompt, consider there's another project that you can be doing. And so I was in the shower and for one of three or four times in my life, the voice spoke to me and it said, how about start every conversation with I love you and go from there? And I said, are you freaking kidding me? I mean, I'm, I'm from New York City, you know. I, it's like, maybe screw you to start every conversation, not <laughs> I love you. It's like, I am the last guy to go out there and start every conversation with I love you. But the voice said, well, why don't you try it and find out? And so here we are nine years later with tens of thousands of I love yous and running uh, play shops. On I Love You Made Easy and bringing um, I Love You facility to groups and working with companies like eBay and PayPal in uh, conscious heart-based capitalism and um, really standing in I Love You as a core value and that shareholder value and real value are not mutually exclusive but actually totally aligned. So that's what got me on the journey and I just continue to, um, to swing out and um, the, more, the more I do it, the more I'm unreasonable with myself around swinging out with I love you. It's strange how I just feel so much more happier and fulfilled and you can instantly see those results in others too.
1: You brought up you being a New Yorker, and when you had that download, it was a little <laughs> bit tough. Um, Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, huh. Oh, uh, okay. So, I think the question that I have for you is, I didn't know this part of the story either. I did know that you did have this passionate mission with starting every conversation with I Love You, and I had always wondered, you know, did you grow up in a hippie commune, <laughs> you know, nobody You know, no, nobody had any rules and it was just kind of a free for all, but uh, it, it sounds like it wasn't quite that way. And I'm wondering, do you feel like your upbringing, your parents or anything like that had any influence that you might've been aware of?
0: Absolutely uh, yes
1: and absolutely no.
0: So, yeah. I came from a very uh loving and nurturing environment. My parents weren't hippies; they were more proto hippies. They bridged from bohemianism uh, into the hippie movement and growing up in New York City in the in the sixties and the seventies was just the most extraordinary petri dish uh imaginable uh, and my parents were uh very much on board. You know, they were both uh, artists and creatives and just exposing us to absolutely everything. And of an early generation where it was love me, love my kids. So there was nowhere that my parents went that they didn't take us, the good and the bad. (laughs) And also splitting time in between uh, New York City and Woodstock. And so it was definitely something in the air. And I can remember the very first time hearing Sergeant Peppers and I uh, recently when George Martin, the producer, when, uh, when he died, there were the, or actually no, this was Jeff Emmerich, their engineer, that when they were recording that album, he said, when we were recording a uh, day in the life, the world went from black and white to color. and. I so remember as a tiny child hearing that music for the first time and th- the universe went from black and white to color for me. And just, it was everywhere in the air that all you need is love, love is all you need, love is everything. So I think that that was baked into my DNA, but again, growing up in a, you know a hard, rough and tumble uh, existence as well that uh, you know you had to keep a, you had to keep a very tight rein on it. And I always felt that I had a huge wellspring within my heart, but you just I, I didn't feel that there was any safe way to be able to generate that out in the world. So you do it on the inside. Or you do it through your behavior, but certainly not through your words and certainly not in a way that's going to make anybody else uncomfortable or to make you vulnerable. So it wasn't until I was in my 40s and I got that poke and that prod from the voice that I was given the freedom to be able to let it all go. And to risk that foolishness and to embrace that failure of swinging out one I love you at a time and just to see what would happen. I'm telling you, I mean, I don't know. uh, There's a couple of examples that I can look at, like um, Amma the hugging saint. So she's hugged 35 million people. And I don't know if you've ever visited her. We went and visited her last year for the first time. And, And I mean, to hear about it, it's like, wow, this is really strange. This is culty. This is granola. What's this all about? And when we went and saw her, there was about between four and 5,000 people, I would say, at um, her uh, local ashram in the Bay Area. And it was one of the most phenomenal parties I've ever been to in my life. And literally, every stripe of humanity was represented. And what you do is there's like a little um, Dharma talk and a little meditation. And then um, you've gotten your number when you actually get to queue up and hug her. And she started hugging at about 8 or 9 p.m. And um, I hear she went till twelve thirty p.m. the next afternoon. And her longest sessions have been like 26 hours where for 26 hours straight, people go in the procession to her and she just hugs you and embraces you. And I've got to tell you getting a hug and an embrace from Ama was about the most loved and protected and gotten that I've ever felt in my entire life. She definitely has access to that and you know me like I said if if I had to guess I'd probably generated somewhere between 10 and 20,000 random I love yous with people that I don't know. Um, so I only have a tiny little sliver, but it's so amazing just to see what happens when you you're in any context with people that you never met before. And you just say, hi, I'm Joshua. I love you. And to see what happens.
2: Yeah. It's, uh, almost amazing. I've gone a number of years and it's, uh, it's a pretty amazing experience just witnessing, uh, her level of service and the energy field she carries. So big fan of Alma. Uh, and then I'm, I'm curious as you were sharing, uh, uh, what interests me is I'm curious the reactions you've got. You know, you're you're sharing this message, you're, you're meeting different people wherever you go. Like you said, you're going into some corporate environments like PayPal, where typically corporate is, in general, a little bit less, I don't want to say less conscious, but it's a little bit more strict and conservative, I guess would be a better word. So I'm just curious your experience and what the responses people have and if you you know, ten to 20,000 different people and getting I love you's, what, what's what been that experience? What's been your responses that you've across the board?
0: <laughs> uh, it depends on the day and the time. I can tell you one of the worst experiences I ever had to start with because I think that this is somewhat, something that everybody can relate to. Uh, and then we'll just go up and down the scale. But um, in the play shops that I do, uh, somewhere between 50 minutes or Two hours or four hours or all day. Uh, it doesn't matter. But the whole purpose of the I love you made easy play shop is that in as little as 50 minutes, we give everybody the context and the access to be able to be crazy freed up around sharing I love you so that they can go out and share I love you like candy for a week and just see what happens in their lives. And so very early days, uh, I did an event on hate street. On Valentine's Day, in front of a uh, chocolatier, and you know you're thinking, "Wow, Hate Street, the epicenter of the Summer of Love and the Peace and Love, Peace and Love movement on Valentine's Day. What could possibly be wrong?" <laughs> and <laughs> so, first of all, I was nearly invisible. I just had a son, tiny little booth and a sign that says, uh, "Give and get, I love you." Here. And so people passed and I would say, I love you. And if they would stop, then they would say, What's this about? And I would just give them the, you know, the the little card on what the I love you challenge is and, and the concept of getting crazy freed up around sharing I love you and try it for a week and see what happens. And so this homeless street person breezed past me, you know, so close that he almost, uh, that he almost touched me. And as he breezed past me, I just said, I love you. And he kept, he went, huh? And he kept on going. And then he went about 15 feet down the street and he just stopped and pivoted and he turned around and he said, what did you say? And I said, I said, I love you. And he's like, why did you say that? And he was really activated and uh, very much on edge. And for a second there, I really didn't know what was going to happen. And he just turned and left. And what was so unusual about that is that generally I find that the people, if I had to characterize as a group who are most instantly accepting of I love you, is homeless people. Almost every single time when I tell a homeless person that I love them, they just laugh and go, I love you too. That for them, just being seen and heard and recognized and not being invisible for that one second and having that holy relationship mo- moment, their humanity is a completely engaged, and it's like, of course, you love me, you are me, and that's the the essence and the core of the of the "I love you" work to me. And the other group that was so instantly. Uh, Immediately accepting and who got it as a maybe not on a heart level but as a conceptual level was US Congress. And uh, I can I can talk a little bit more about that but just at the very highest level and some of the work that I was doing with eBay I went to the the government fly in where they bring some of their top sellers and customers to DC uh, for a couple of days of lobbying. Uh, about legislation that uh, has a keen impact on small and medium business. And so over the course of two days, uh, I got to meet uh, Senator Steve Daines and Senator John Thune and Barbara Comstock and Nancy Pelosi and Anna Issue, But the very first politician that I met in D.C., the very first person who I came face-to-face with, slightly inside my physical comfort zone, was Mitch McConnell. And uh, we were at the opening night party, and uh, it was only about like 50 or 60 people, and the room slightly parted, and there was Mitch McConnell walking right towards me. And I was just toe-to-toe with him, and I said, Senator McConnell, I love you. (laughs) And, you know, this is a person who I could not be more diametrically opposed to uh, in terms of views and vision. And in that moment, I was more surprised than anybody that I felt nothing but love for him. And he just looked at me and he went, (laughs) he kind of chortles like a chicken and said, now, where are you from? And I said, I am from San Francisco, California, sir. And he's like, you know, kind of like, well, figures. And and anyway, I said, look, I have this movement called I Love You World, all seven and of. start every conversation with I Love You and go from there. And in the events that I do, and from the beginning, one of the things that I do to create context is that I say, imagine that your esteemed group, sir, that at the beginning of every session of the Congress and Senate, every uh, representative turns to the person to their left, And the person to their right and says, I love you, and then gets down to business. And he leaned in and laughed and said, oh, we're too busy throwing stuff at each other. And and I thought to myself, yeah, we notice. But every, you know, and so everything in D.C. is a story, of course. So the fact that every one of these other representatives that I met over the course of the next two days, I said, I told Senator McConnell that I loved him. And they were, like, oh, they were like, oh, my goodness, how did that go? <laughs> but what they all said, though, is that every single one of them pointed to the lack of workability, the congeniality, um, the collegial relationships that were the core to good functioning government and business as usual in D.C., that they could point to a, uh, a date on the timeline Uh, In about 2012 or 2013, when that evaporated, and they said, we really need to get that workability back. Maybe there's something to this I love you business. And that blew me away. Um, And I offered to all of them, I said, anytime you want me back to D.C. uh, to be able to give you access to that, uh, just let me know. And it's always been um, a, a dream and aspiration of mine. Uh, to be able to scale and impact uh, and give them access to I Love You Made Easy. And I, given what's happened the last three years since uh, I made that visit, I think now more than ever,
1: right? I mean, if you think about it, you, you want to talk about the one place that could actually open up and kind of bring down a little bit of defenses and open up dialogue a little bit more, at least to the point where you can start to hear each other instead of just waiting to bring up your point back again for your party or whatever it happens to be, would be in that context in in the, the Washington, D.C. area. So, I, I find that story personally, incredibly fascinating. I feel that some of the work that I do, even you, everybody that's on this this call right now, on this podcast right now, if I think one of our higher intentions and aspirations is to help the influencers and help the leaders to the people who can really make a little bit of the a bigger difference, at least a systemic difference, you know, in our world. And so I I just love the fact that he was even able to Receive it, (laughs) and not just blow it off. But I give you so many kudos to that. I'm curious on your feedback. Has it gotten easier to say I love you to someone that's quote unquote more of an of a position of power, someone that is of a quote unquote higher rank than someone that you know a street kid that was on Hate Street and. Yes, do you feel saying I love you is uh like like what do you feel the differences are between the two dichotomies of those groups? That's such a great question.
0: I don't really I think it's all more a litmus test of how I'm showing up. Uh, because mm-hmm. in uh where where this applies like uh in the business world and the sense of other, Uh, I mean, you can look at the discord in the world and I can come up with some examples around that, but say in in business and workability in the the business place, where my practice is that I take radical responsibility for all of it. And the one piece that I'll give businesses um, or individuals that if you can't start every conversation with, I love you, when you are feeling that otherness and that separation and that enmity in uh, that gap between you and anybody else you can break out the ho'oponopono prayer and it's funny you know i've been i've been using the ho'oponopono prayer for quite some time in all of the play shops and if anyone doesn't know what it is uh, what it is in the audience and uh, it's an ancient Hawaiian practice of reconciliation and forgiveness, and it exists all through the South Pacific. And really, uh, one of the the precepts is that when there is discord or when there is physical illness in the body, it's because there is separation in the community, and that it, wherever that discord is, you need to be able to close ranks, circle everybody, and resolve that conflict before anything can move on. Because it's basically, you know, the micro to the macro. And the way that I learned it was, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And that there's such power in that. But for me, there was an unspoken step that was missing. And then I found a reading uh, from somebody named William Bloom, who added in as the first line, he says is the quote-unquote correct first line, is that, I am responsible for this, or this is my responsibility. So, number one, you just state that you're responsible for all of it, and then, I am sorry, forgive me, I love you, or there is only love, and thank you. And, uh, Again, another personal development course uh, years ago where we captured snippets of our conversation and, you know, it was all about our levels of conversation and up-leveling them. And I had, you'd capture these conversation on stickies, on Post-it notes, and I had one that said, if there's one too many a-holes in the room, then it's me. So, <laughs> um, <sighs> mm-hmm. That's just, I I know that if I want more ease and flow and fulfillment and in my life, that all I need to do is take responsibility for all of it and to own my experience and to know that I'm the a-hole and that there is no other. So I know that that was an extremely long answer, but basically how I'm showing up is how the I love you goes. And, you know, especially having been um, in entertainment for so long, I've got a very uh, interesting and healthy relationship with failure where uh, you just, you need to become desensitized to it or there's no way that you'll ever have a career. So, I, the way that I call it is like you know i'm ten, twenty thousand, I love you in it's like I'm swinging out and it's like uh I love you one failure at a time, sometimes it's going to be received the way you want it to be received, sometimes it's not, and you know there's a million different variations, but um at least I can get over myself and get off of it enough to be able to express my truth, which is I love you translates to I love me and when when we Mm. when we do these play shops in every single one there comes a moment that happens spontaneously where you're all crazy free to up around sharing I love you and it means nothing and it means everything Um, and then you're just saying I love you and at some point the words I love you are coming out of your mouth but you hear it in your head as I love me And what happens is that a state of no separation is spontaneously created. And it happens for everybody at the same time. And everybody goes, wait, what did you just do? What just happened? And you're like, I didn't do anything. All we did was invoke this state. But you're looking at that person across from you and it's like, that's just me. Of course that's me. So you're not even like getting over your own weirdness or your own million stories around what I love you can mean, can't mean. You don't want to be misinterpreted. Oh, that's weird, that's awkward. And all of a sudden it just shows up as like, yeah, I'm saying, you know, I'm saying I love me to me standing right in front of me.
1: Duh. Since the I love you, and I love how it gets tied back to in essence, it almost changes the the energetic and the and the physiological state of Yourself, because in essence, it's it's allowing you, and it breaks down the barriers. To it's almost like telling yourself, "I I love me," and um, you know that illusion of separateness kind of dissipates just a little bit more with this invocation, if you will. And what I'm also curious, I think I get the the desire, the outcome for the invocation and, and for the process of it. How tight are you to it having to be, I love you versus another form of the love language, like versus Alma versus a word or something else? But it sounds like to you, it's very specifically "I love you," and I'm wondering if there's also another context in which you are feeling as called to to bring in the same kind of invocation to um, to kind of do the same desired outcome.
0: There is a family of questions that comes up with uh, every single event, and this is one of the main this this is in the top three uh, most important. I think it gets generated by people's uncomfortableness with saying, I love you. And they're looking for other ways to be able to express that sentiment exactly. So that all of the context, all of the layers of stories that we have collectively, not individually, but collectively around, I love you. Um, So the voice said to me, how about everybody starts every conversation with, I love you and goes from there. And. Anything for me that is an argument with that, I need to strip out. Mm. And the reason is, I just described the state that gets created when people are crazy, freed up around sharing, I love you. And I had this construct in my head for the first 40 some odd years of my life that being able to have A massive impact to raise consciousness at scale for humanity was going to take an enormous amount of process. Do
1: you think that because… You know, there's this thought process that something isn't, there, there isn't going to be change. that uh, behavior is not going to change uh, individually or collectively, unless there's a little bit of uncomfortability kind of wrapped up into it, kind of shakes someone out of a state that we've been in for a little bit. And as a collective, I love you stirs up quite a bit of that uncomfortability for quite a few you know, for, for a vast majority of this population. And so, maybe they're in through that, that's where a lot of the healing and a lot of the barriers can be broken down because of uh, the words themselves can be so uncomfortable to so many people. Right.
0: And consider the handshake and the the very practical purpose of the handshake was to show that you have no weapon. Mm. So, can you imagine how? confronting and difficult it was for the people who invented the early adopters of the handshake and what the handshake needed to do to be able to hit critical mass where now we don't even think about it or the hug same thing hug was a way to be able to show that you had no weapons in your hand and you were embracing somebody else in a gesture of togetherness and um, non-confrontation, and the uh, another one would be the uh, the mudra. So bringing together the hands in front of the heart uh, through uh, Hindu, Buddhist, most Eastern countries, that that gesture is four thousand years old, and it is a gesture of reverence. It's a benediction that says, I honor and celebrate the humanity in you. So, all of these things came from nothing. There had to be the first woman or the first man who came up with this, says, I want to express the fact that there's no separation between us and that I'm you and you are me and we're here in, in a moment of peace. What's the shorthand for that, especially if we don't share a common language? So, you know, let's try the handshake. Let's try the butting of heads, whatever it was. (laughs) But at some point, there had to be like a little bit of critical mass going, wow, that actually works. And then it. It gets the hockey stick effect and all of a sudden it takes off and everybody is doing it and it's universally accepted as a way of being able to greet each other and establish that common bond so i love you eight letters three words takes a fraction of a second that it really is that easy that we can Establish that moment of togetherness, you're me, I'm you, there's no threat here that quickly. Why wouldn't we want something that efficient, especially since there's seven and a half billion of us? And if it means that we have to go through some kind of cultural shift and something needs to move into us to give us that degree of workability, especially considering the degree of polarity that we have right now. I think that we all have an enormous amount of skin in the game and that we're really, you know, the planet, we always talk about um, how we're ruining the planet and we're destroying the planet, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think that that's just um, right. incredibly narcissistic that we don't even represent, uh, you know, a pimple on the backside of, huma- of, of you know, the, this earth, let alone the universe, that so many yeah. things yeah. that have been the dominant species on the planet have come and gone before us. We're not even an afterthought. So, what we're doing is that we're destroying the environment for our viability. You know, we're taking tens of thousands of other species with us, but most important, we're hastening our own destruction, which might not be a bad thing. But I think that it's incontrovertible that we have bed off the cliff. We have passed that failsafe. safe. Um, our rapid extinction is certain. And if we want to affect a different outcome and to make sure that our children's generation is not the last, then isn't it worth it to be uncomfortable with I love you for a while until maybe it's not and see if that is how easy it can be?
2: You know, it's a really interesting conversation when I when I'm thinking about it and hearing you talk through it. And even when you initially said it when we started, I noticed resistance I had. And You know, and, and I'm I'm pretty open. I mean, I, I go to Burning Man. I've been going for 16 years uh, with my friends that are men. I am, have no uh, uncomfortability with saying I love you um, or you know relationships, friendships. Uh, again, I'm I'm a pretty uh, open. Uh, I'd think man in that way. And so, and again, I teach uh, emotional resilience, which is all about work around grief and loss and trauma, which is a really gentle process um, of going deep. So uh, I'd say I'm pretty comfortable with those yet. I noticed I had resistance and when I challenge myself, like what is the resistance? It's interesting. I think what what comes up for me is I I look at it as uh, building trust and, and that time it takes to build trust of like, Thinking of my past where I let people in and they took advantage of me or, or things happened. And over time, I've learned to be more uh, aware, um, mindful. It doesn't mean I closed down. I'm super open and vulnerable, but I'm also present and aware and pay attention. Um, and so, again, that's just sharing my experience of it as you're, as you're sharing it. I see the alt- altruistic uh, notion of having a world where we can come together, and and I see that on a on a large plane on consciousness where we are one unit, and I understand that at a deep level, we are one consciousness looking at itself. So we all are ourselves. Uh, love you is reflecting our world into the world. Yet the implementation of it uh, is definitely an interesting experience because I noticed uncomfortability, and when I was again challenging, and it was like, okay, where um, uh, have I established trust? right? Do I, is this person part of my tribe? Like I noticed these observations when I was trying to hack myself and where my yes. uncomfortability came from. And, and again, also what it would take for me to say it and mean it different than saying it. Uh, so I could say it to be part of the rapport building, if you will, which I noticed I responded with, but the, there's a different level on, on, I guess, meaning it. And I guess that's where diving into the meaning of it, And if I love somebody, what I'm willing to do for them. And and I think sometimes it's the unconditional. And again, I think that's where it's breaking down love. Like what is, is to me, unconditional love is we love through anything yet. I think of some relationships that I was trying to be altruistic that got massively taken advantage of because I didn't have healthy boundaries and didn't know how to love myself. So it's it's an interesting dialogue when I assess it for me personally and where my resistance comes up with. Um, And I imagine it's different for each person and and kind of their uh, experience on the world and where they have resistance and where they don't have resistance
0: uh, is probably different per person. Josh, that's so fantastic. Thank you so much for that. Uh, And I'd say that we all have nearly the identical stories and identical sense of discomfort. So, uh, a couple of things. First of all, there is no other. And we are all of it. And we're all of it who is peeled off to have an individual experience inside this skin suit. And we live this dual existence of being all of it and being an individual walking around in this skin suit. And we vibrate back and forth so that we are 50% all of it and 50% individual inside of skin suit. And I think that what's happened to us um, societally is that we forget that we live in this perfect balance and that we're a little bit more focused on what's going on inside of this skin suit. And I think that media. Uh, has, and technology, has really had an accelerating effect on this, which makes us a little bit more inwardly focused in a way that, uh, not in terms of reflection, but in terms of separation and drawing uh, this boundary so that we feel the pressure of the other uh, more than is true. And when we create so in in the i love you play shops again 50 minutes to get people crazy freed up around sharing i love you what well, we we don't dissolve everybody's story around i love you we just create a new context for relating to it so the very first thing that we do is we just line up people just inside the boundary of your personal space And it works better if you don't know the person that you're standing across from. And you look them in the eyes, and you say, I love you. And then you notice what story you have around I love you. And they all—they tend to run along the flavor of it means too much, it means too little, I got my heart broken, what if they take it the wrong way, she's cute, he's cute, I'm mortified, I'm embarrassing them, and they're are so many stories around I love you. Um, There are as many stories around I love you as there are thoughts in our head, and many of them don't feel good. And so we we sit in that exploration for about five or six minutes, and then I say consider this context. I love you means nothing and everything. And in the context of, of I love you meaning nothing and everything, Um, first of all, share it with the person in front of you who you just shared I love you with and notice if your stories and your relationship to your stories has shifted at all. And then from this space, share random acts of I love you for a week and start and end every interaction with I love you and just see what happens and shows up. And, you know, it's such a simple little exercise. And when... Uh, I very first started the, the work and putting structure around it. I had a dear friend who, one of her specialties was, cons- um, um, she was doing um, resolution of conflict in uh, tense areas like the, the Middle East and working with uh, uh, very high leadership at very high levels. And when I was sharing this with her, I was going, man, I'm, it's interesting the pushback that I'm seeing around, I love you. And she says, well, yeah, we're much more comfortable with I hate you. So, of course, I love you is confronting. And I think that that one inside is what really gave me the drive and set me more on this path because that otherness that we feel and has an outsized impact on our lives is really destroying that workability in our lives and so much of that we can outwardly point to in the world and go, aha, look at that. Look at that erosion. Look at that threat. Look at um, you know what they think about the environment and how careless and, and callous they are and all of that noise and the amplification of the noise is all around otherness. So, we feel that viscerally where our first visceral hit is around the otherness and that separation. And, you know, my individual experience over there and is there a threat and, you know, our, our uh, amygdala hijack, our lizard brain, we, we, you know, that is our default rather than coming out of a place going, no, we're, we're all of it. And that person across from me, there is no other. He's another, uh, you know, amazing, different reflection <laughs> of all of it. You know, completely me, completely not me.
2: Yeah, I imagine uh, it's interesting as you're sharing that. I'm, I'm curious, Scott, what was your... You guys have known each other for a little bit longer, so you knew the experience. I'm, I'm curious your experience when, when you first met Joshua and, and, and if, if he did it on your first interaction and how you responded or what your experience was.
1: I would probably say I would have I had very similar feedback to you Josh in the fact that I think by the time that I had met Joshua I had already been pretty ex- like you I had been pretty exposed to lots of different modalities from very corporate like structures to incredibly hippy dippy stuff and was no I, like it was I was curious on on first of all, I appreciated the fact that he had the balls to do it. and I'm like, wow, i am am really getting behind whatever it is that is bringing him to have this mission to create his own internal core values to. Bring this to the world to say I love you, and I know the first few times he would he would tell me it kind of threw me off. But then I would I would say it back, and and then I noticed I didn't say it back all the time, or I would say like uh, I would say something maybe similar, but maybe not the words I love you, and I did notice myself just going, huh, what's uh, you know. What's that about? And then I did get a little bit more comfortable with it afterward, but I think almost like what you said, Josh, is it's that differentiation between going through the motions and then Having the words be a different type of expression, like you know, with the the, the hug with someone you just kind of meet or with a partner that you haven't seen in a while, or a good buddy that you haven't seen in a while, and you know, at what point does it actually start to feel more meaningful? Um, but for me, it's funny. I didn't get quite as triggered when he would say it to me, and actually, I I actually liked it. Here are the points that would actually make me feel uncomfortable. And I'm I'm sure you can relate to this, Joshua, because I'm sure you've seen this a lot. Is when I would see you do it to people who I thought or I had the pre assumptions that would be crossing their line or their boundaries or their comfort zone, and I would almost instinctively feel that uncomfortability for for possibly you because you may get some maybe negative feedback or for or for the people who you were maybe doing it to that was uh maybe in one of our forums, or if I would just see you out and about uh, the the one thing about josh is i i've always ever since I've known him i've always felt his heart and his authenticity, so I always knew that there was a genuineness there, but I don't know if maybe my uncomfortability was just you know just some internal stuff that um You know, that was just coming up (laughs) because I was projecting it on these other people. Yeah, it's (laughs) cringeworthy. It can be. It definitely can be.
0: (laughs) I I just wanted to say, I just wanted to point out too, is that as freely expressed as I am at times, because sometimes I'm on the court and sometimes I'm not, but as freely expressed as I am with I love you, I think that discomfort and that uncertainty is there with every single "I love you." Really? Oh, yeah. I'm not Mm. like it's like I'm I'm dispensing it like candy, but that doesn't mean that I'm not having a million stories going on inside my head about "I love you." Well, I I think that it's interesting. You you that's
2: what you your next statement was because that's where I was going to go is is you know in talking through this. I love stuff that uh, you know gets outside the comfort zone. I'm a big advocate, and I've done all kinds of of, of things to do it. And you know, I think it shatters, works on shattering the ego. There's a lot of healthy benefits to constantly stretching our comfort zone, and uh, I really love that that practice because, again, is it? I've done standing eye meditations in the middle of busy malls, and I've worked. I've, <laughs> funny thing, where I have a monkey that I would uh, bring around with me, a stuffed animal, and when I would get too serious or uptight. I'd take my life too serious. I'd go shopping with it and wear it around my neck. And I, I have to, I have to surrender to either the child or, or get more stuck up. And every time I surrendered the kid, I'm playing <laughs> and pretty soon I'm interacting and cracking jokes. And so again, I, I, I like that because what it does is even though it's uncomfortable, you're also on a deep form of men's work. Part of what we need to do as men um, is to capture that wild man in us or to, to set the wild man free. And, Part of that wild man is in going into uncomfortability. And it sounds like something that you're doing every day uh, is is doing something radically uncomfortable in order for this message or deeper intention to get out there. And it's a practice you can do on a regular basis. And I, I'm a big advocate of intention as well. So I, I feel like the reason why you're doing it and the intention behind it and then the uncomfortability that it takes to continue to do it, even as Scott was sharing, I you know, I was visualizing. Uh, You know, some like really conservative looking guy or, or, or woman who's kind of, you can tell they need a lot of space. They're not, don't get too close to me. And, you know, and and then Joshua walking up and saying, hello, I love you. And, you know, they're barely, (laughs) and, 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 but which is great about it is again, who, who knows uh, also where I feel like when we're guided from source spirit and that higher calling, which what I'm hearing so clearly from you, uh, a big part of our message and fulfillment is finding our own unique expression and tapping into our own divinity and tapping into our own uh, messages that come from spirit, from self, from our soul, and then having the faith and the courage to trust those, even when it sounds crazy or makes no sense. And it leads us into these directions where it's like, you know, take step by step. And a lot of times it's extremely uncomfortable. We're taking steps into the unknown because it's not our plan. It's something greater is than us plan. plan. And we never know the outcome. And so what I what I love so much about what you're saying, and even though, again, talking about the uncomfortability I felt, talking about it, w- what I love is you're tapping into your own unique divine blueprint and trusting it. And it's requiring you to, to step out there and be radically uncomfortable on a regular basis. And to me, uh, I'm curious the, the net effect from that. I'm curious the fulfillment that you're getting as a direct result of one, stepping in line with this path um, to, uh, having the faith and the courage, uh, to put yourself out there like that. I'm curious the, uh, we talked about the uncomfortable stories and, and some of those things. I'm curious, the other side, I'm curious how this has made you more fulfilled as a man, as a human, um, in your personal life and your professional life, any stories or just anything that comes to mind. That's like made you feel more in alignment with, with, uh, your purpose, your mission, uh, more at peace, uh, with who you are, less, less. Need to go out there and chase something for money or for power or for significance. So, I guess just curious in general, how has that landed for you with all this work you've been following, trusting, and putting yourself out there with?
0: My goodness, that what a gift, Josh. What a gift. All of that was just such a gift. And I'm in a, I'm in a, just a, I'm just sitting with that for a moment. I'm, I'm so full because, of course, we're always doing and rarely get to reflect and have those moments of acknowledgement or looking at the bigger picture. Um, So thank you. And what I'm left with is that when I do anything other than being the full expression and creating the context for I love you for all 7.5 billion of us, um, then I'm completely unfulfilled. And mind you, I mean, I reckon that we all have extraordinary lives. We live like kings and only the most privileged people did in, you know, every generation before us. We have such unbelievable riches, splendor, wealth, access, opportunity uh, to all of us. And... I think about, again, about my child and her generation and what's really at stake. And if I were to make myself small and not be on the court with I love you all the time, that's the only real failure that I can think about. And so when I think of who am I to take on this mission and who am I to think that I can scale it, Um, that's when I fail. And that's when I'm unfulfilled. And, you know, like I said, I'll go through phases of where I'm not on the court at all, and then I'm fully engaged. And every time I get back and I'm fully engaged, or I do an event or get to have incredible conversations like this, I'm always left with how could I not express this truth with my every ounce of being? I can't take the chance that it's not going to make an impact. And I can point to everything in my life that is miraculous and blessed and wonderful and amazing, and I can point and say I directly owe that to I love you. So my amazing partner, the fact that we have a child. That was never going to happen. That was an absolute miracle that was made possible by me being unreasonable around I love you. And, um, you know, the story was is that you know, I, I met this amazing woman the day that she moved into my building. And, you know, we had um, a lot of um, connection and a lot of trepidation. She was going through uh, the most challenging year of her life and didn't really want to take on relationship at all. And I was, this is when I was first um, fully on the court and building the programming around the I love you work and um, she was one of my very first participants where she was having breakthroughs in her business relationships with sharing, I love you. She was a photographer, and the people who were contracting her, you know, they were in breakdown, and she was feeling a sense of separation and otherness, and like she wasn't going to get hired by them anymore. And she told them that she loved them, and she produced amazing, instantaneous, concrete results like big contracts. Out of just sharing, I love you. And, you know, so I got to the point with her where I said, you know, I love you. And I know that I love you means nothing and everything. And I love you in a way that I know that we're forever present in each other's lives. And I don't know who we are to each other, whether we're friends, whether we're collaborators, if we're lovers, if we're husband and wife, if we're parents, whatever. All I know is that. I want to play fully with you. I want to play the game and see who we are to each other and she said, "Oh that's really wonderful. No thanks <laughs> and she she was she was a a solid no to me for a year and um, at one point we had another conversation where uh, those barriers just uh, broke down and uh, she was able to be incredibly real with what her considerations were and the kind of support that she was looking for in a partner. And when I said that that's all I am and all I want to provide for you is when we formalized our relationship, we had another magic what-if conversation after that because we knew that children weren't going to be a part of the the picture at all. Uh, she was older. I had been married before and was a stepdad and knew what an awesome responsibility being a parent was and how both are equally great uh, having children, not having children. And then we just had this really what-if moment where we said, well, what if we try for the next five or six months? And our very first time being intentional, um, we were in a family way. And all of that came out of me just getting over my uncomfortability and telling this person that I loved her. And our child is the biggest expression of i love you that i have ever seen you want to talk about fearlessness and full freedom of self expression with i love you oh my god that's all she is and it's it's not unique to her children are just a full, full body 100% expression of i love you energy all the time so wow that was very you know a very long answer to i owe everything i have to i love you Um, being able to walk away from the business that i was in eo with scott about i it was a business that i had founded with uh two lifelong friends i brought my brother on board And uh, doing everything I could to be able to make it work and realize that it was time for me to go, that there was one too many a-holes in the room. And walking away from what I created into nothing, into the void, into having no idea what was coming next. And to have a year of uh, complete uncertainty and blowing through my entire reserve, knowing without a doubt that the next thing my next stage of development was going to show up for me. Uh, All of that that was made possible by I love you. Um, And then the next career that came out of it. And, you know, it's funny, walking into the world's leader in cybersecurity and being the Johnny Appleseed of I love you, at first I thought that there was some dissonance there. And then I realized that if our thousand cyber warriors didn't show up and do what they do every single day, none of the fabric of any of our lives would exist anymore. It's that binary. And so the custodian role that they're taking, the responsibility for all of it, by them showing up and their sense of mission, if that's not I love you for the planet, I don't know what is. And so, I hold the space. I have the, the honor of working with these people to be able to bring that message and hold the space for the integrity of that message for the world. Um, so, that's totally aligned. Uh, so, I owe um, this career and this expression of my work to I love you.
1: Wow, thank you for that. I. There's just so much to unpack there, but I, I just, I just want to take a minute to really reflect on on how much that hit me and and your courage to pursue all of these other avenues of your life with a little bit of a foundation and this kind of guiding presence of I love you to allow you to get uncomfortable and allow you to go to these super deep depths of unknownness to just say, I'm going to give up my business that I've created for you know the last few years and uh, I'm going to venture into this new family and all of these other areas, which took so much courage of just stepping blindly into the unknown. And um, it really... You know, as I as I sit here, you know, one of my big intentions this year is, um, you know, based around like my throat chakra and my voice, and just really getting my my voice out there, and um, just becoming more clear on on how I'm showing up as a man, a business leader, and a husband, and a mentor to my you know my my 19 uh, year old mentor, or 21 year old now mentee, and listening to you and how you've been able to really allow yourself to almost be led by this really beautiful proposition of, I love you into wherever it takes you, um, is is super beautiful. Um, you know, this isn't something that, you know, we talked about earlier that you were on the CP commune and you just kind of like came into it and you're like, no, I've just I don't know anything, but I love you. Yet this came a lot later in life. And you said right around the age of 40 or in your 40s. I was curious, how much do you think that having come into this or having this epiphany of this download a little bit later on in life at 40, do you think it was at that time period that maybe your heart and soul was a little more open to receiving that message than, say, when you're in your 20s and you've got a little more of your ego going, or even in your 30s when you're more like driven, like driving in the business world, uh, if there's something about that timeframe that allowed you just to be even more open about receiving that message? I think it's the courage
0: to drop the act. You know, again, I, I had described uh, at the very earliest and, I, and, and reflecting about my child as well as when you're three, four, five, six years old, you know exactly who you are in the scheme of it. And you're nothing but heart. So you know all of it. And then around... It really starts happening about seven years old where that otherness and that separation really uh, comes in and starts to codify. And we start taking on all these societal agreements. Uh, And we then have a pretense. And we just live this pretense of who we're not. And I think it took me you know, especially um, my breakdown, having gone through uh, an extraordinarily painful uh, divorce and a feeling of just so much heartbreak and loss of what I didn't have. It's like, and, and then there's this, like, I think up, like up to the age of 40 or so is that everything is just raw experience. And that after the age of 40, we get to be discerning about what we are not. So it's like we've made that, had that experience or made that mistake two or three times, and then we get to the point where we choose and say, you know, that's not really a reflection of who I am. I don't need to do that anymore. So that, you know, we've had all of the, this amazing foundational work of the first 40, you know, the first four decades of our life. And then we get to be more intentional and choose uh, about who we're not and spend more energy and effort on the expressions of who we really are. And in the course of that, like I said, this this ache, this incredible need and desire to be able to express my love in a way that scales and uplifts humanity. Uh, you know, I thought it was going to be art. Um, and then I thought that there was so much effort in it. And I got to the point where I was able to just drop the act, drop the pretense and go, screw it. I'll try. I love you. What have I got to lose? so you know for me it's it's shedding myself of all the things that i'm not which is like i'm i'm all heart it doesn't mean that i don't think people are you know huge raging assholes and why are they breathing my air and why are they in my space and why are they dressing like that? And why do they have that stupid haircut? And why did they just cut mm-hmm. me off? And, or why is that guy in the White House? But you know, the truth is, is that every single one of them is me. Yeah,
1: they are yeah. me. I
0: am that I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that everything that irritates us about others can lead us to a better understanding of ourselves. You know, my favorite quote in the world from Carl Jung: "If it looks ugly and it's driving us crazy, it's because that's us." reflected to us so just being able to drop all of that and go screw it i'll try being fully and freely expressed i love you and see how that makes me feel and you know what every time i do i feel the most alive and on purpose that's awesome i really
2: really love it and it's been so so um interesting and hearing hearing your mission and what you're doing in your journey along the way uh, as we wind down, uh, I want do we do this fun thing called the rapid fire questions? Uh, and it's just a, a number of different questions that we ask. And it's just kind of fun. So, uh, you know, just first thing that comes to mind, I'll ask you a question. And first thing that comes to mind, and we'll just run through this quick. But it's just kind of something fun we do at the end. Does that sound good? great? Yeah. Okay. So uh, are you a watch guy or no watch? A watch guy. Uh, sweet or savory? Combined. Okay. Are you a morning or night owl? Morning. Morning. Are you a texter or a talker? Uh, Talker. Favorite city in the U.S. besides the one you live in?
0: Oh, New York City. Mm. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or talk to animals? Every language in the world. Let's start with our animals
2: first. Apple or Android? Apple. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Food you dislike the most? Oh, my goodness. Let's just say durian. (laughs) Are you a dog or cat person? Cat person. Nice. We're both cat guys, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We just lost half our audience. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're dog and cats. Not this audience. Not this Uh, audience.
2: (laughs) We're strong with the cats. We both are strong with the cats. (laughs) Uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars.
0: Do you have any pets? Uh, I do not. Okay. And uh, favorite movie? Oh, my goodness. There's so many to choose from, but the one that's just popping into my brain right now is the lobster. Best piece of advice you ever received? If it don't sell, it's not worth a shit.
2: <laughs> and then uh, your biggest pet peeve?
0: I think um, superiority.
2: Awesome. Super fun. Thanks Thanks for playing and having fun with it. I uh, uh, really enjoyed uh, getting to know you more, Joshua, and your mission and what you're doing and definitely changes the word. I love you. And really made me, I know my experience was during this, uh, during this podcast really allowed me to really reflect on, I love you, the words, uh, and go a little deeper. And it feels like that's what your mission is. Your mission is to, you know, remind people that we're all one and, and I love your, your way of doing it. And I think that might be a takeaway for anybody listening. You want to get outside your comfort zone, you know, you want to try something on, maybe go out and practice, um, saying "I love you." Any any tips for them to kick it off? If somebody wanted to go and and implement this or or take it back? Yeah,
0: great
1: question. I had the same question.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, like I said before, all of the all of the instructions for the "I love you" challenge um, I have on my website, joshuaabramson.com dot com forward slash I love dash you. And it's again, just consider this context that "I love you" means nothing and everything. And coming from that space, share I love you like candy at the beginning and end of every conversation for a week and see what shows up in your life. It's that simple. There's no gear involved, no money, no special training. We all have 100% access to it no matter where we come from.
1: Is there any tips that you would give people that may be a little bit hesitant and they may think, well, that's great for? Joshua, but that would never work in my realm or my life or my or my office it, like do you recommend starting small or do you think hey, the first police officer, the first congressman, the first whoever start shooting
0: <laughs> yeah, like uh, you know, could the cosmic clown have made it any more real for me than putting me toe to toe with Mitch McConnell
1: right yeah,
0: and so um, I'm remembering right now uh, my acting teacher, there was uh, this whole methodology around uh, that acting is 100% in the body experience and learning to play our emotions like um, uh, virtuosic musicians practice their scales. And he would say, you know, it's all in your body. Acting is 100% in your body. It's not in your head. Your head don't know dick. So I love you is a 100% uh, in the body experience and all of that chatter in your head all it's trying to do is to take you out of the game and just um, the coaching in that class and the coaching that I give um, in all of my methodologies uh, my, my methodologies is choose to play the game and when you feel that resistance and you're taking yourself out of the game just coach yourself Then you can say it to yourself out loud choose to play the game which in this case is starting every conversation and ending every conversation with i love you
1: Mm. well josh thank you so much for uh sharing your insights and your heart with us beside the website you just gave is there any other place that you think um people might want to check you out or is that the best uh
0: yeah that is uh that is the best uh for now where um i'm Writing the books, I Love You Made Easy, and I Love You for Business and Why It Matters. And when those launch, we're going to put more of an experience around the ability for people to uh, get more versed in uh, the language of I love you and also to give and get I love you in an interactive way. So more to come.
1: Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us. And if again, if anybody out there has Any questions whatsoever for Josh, Joshua, Josh, or myself, please feel free to send us an email at masteringfulfillment.com. And with much love and deep respect, we want to thank Joshua once again for being on the podcast and we look forward to bringing you back on.
0: Well, I love you both. And thank you so much. This is just talk about candy. This was candy.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah, Joshua. I love you. And I love you, Scott. I love you. You're so welcome. And Joshua, I love you. And not to forget our beloved audience. All right. Thank you guys so much. And we'll see you on the next episode. Are you ready to take your personal, relational or business fulfillment to the next level? With one-on-one personal support, co-developed strategies and accountability, Scott and Joshua have the tools, compassion and years of experience helping people just like you live an extraordinary life. Visit masteringfulfillment.com for details. If you enjoyed this show, we would be so grateful if you left a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. This helps us out immensely. Thank you so much.